Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And what is up? Welcome in. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark, a jam-packed edition of GC Live Monday episode on the way. Uh, Chris, lots to get to, man. A big, massive recruiting weekend. I uh, I upgraded. I used to, every weekend like that was called a big recruiting weekend. I upgraded it to massive recruiting weekend this past weekend. And uh, Gamecocks getting some public commits, uh, you know, maybe a guy or two who are not public yet either. And uh, just overall, sort of that final push towards National Signing Day. It still feels a little bit weird, the signing day, the early signing period. Doesn't quite feel like the old school February signing periods, but uh, certainly a lot going on and a lot to track and several final targets out there for South Carolina to, um, you know, potentially land or, um, you know, I was going to say or miss out on, but it does sort of feel like uh, they've positioned themselves in a really good spot. And again, several of those guys, four to be exact, already going public over the weekend. So, Chris, before we dive into the individuals, and before I tell everybody about Clint Hammond, let's start big picture. Obviously, a uh, a pretty productive weekend for the Gamecocks, and I don't think they're anywhere close to done yet as far as guys who are on campus who have some decisions to make. Yeah, big picture look. You know, we knew that high school recruiting, there are some targets left on the board for sure, and some of those Wests are going to carry into the month of February, but – um, we had eyes on those situations. <clears throat> a couple of guys, you know, from the high school ranks or a few guys from the high school ranks that were in town this weekend, but also because of the transfer portal, right? Gamecock fans have been ready for the transfer transfer portal giveth portion of the show instead of the transfer portal taketh. We've well, they've seen that episode and they're ready to move on to season two. And uh, that we, we saw some of that right over the weekend. Uh, not only in the form of some public commitments, but South Carolina also with some priority transfer targets on campus that have not, as of yet, announced decisions. Uh, but for some of those guys, Wes, they were able to get themselves into a favorable position. So I think overall, big picture, before we dive into some of the individual players, uh, it was a successful weekend because they were able to nab some public commitments, some silent commitments, and they were able to get some at positions of need, you know, help themselves out with some guys, uh, where, whether you look at tight end, running back, wide receiver, um, linebacker even. They had a, a, a top high school target on campus at the linebacker position. Several 2024 guys who took in practice on Saturday who will be, you know, potentially part of the future in Columbia. So overall a successful weekend in terms of position of need and some of the names that they were able to have on campus this weekend. Definitely, man. And I want to dive into all of those uh, moving forward, and we'll, of course, run down the names to know. Moving into the signing period, uh, even if they weren't on campus this weekend, a bunch of those guys were, but several guys who were not that we will also be talking about. But uh, before we move any further, got to tell you about our main presenting sponsor here of the show, uh, Clint Hammond. You have heard of him for the better part of two years now. And there have been some changes. So I am still working. I got to get our new graphics for the banner that goes over our head. But um, Clint Hammond and really all of the Mortgage Network crew is now with Movement Mortgage. So uh, if you are, if you've worked with Clint in the past or you want to work with Clint in the future, nothing really changes on your end. It is still ClintHammond.com. That is still how you can find the information about if uh you know, sort of you're in the market for a new home or if you just uh, want to sort of see what is out there, what interest rates are, what a monthly payment might look like for you. Uh, still all the same, but with a different name, different logo. 
Clint, the uh, branch manager of the Movement Mortgage here in the Columbia area. You can still give them a call, 803-422-6797 or 803-771-6933. His new email address, however, is clint.hammond at movement.com. So again, I will be telling each and every one of you about Clint uh, every single show, and I'll have some more details on that move and some fresh logos and some new colors, it appears as well. But certainly, regardless of the logo and the colors, we appreciate Clint always being a great supporter of this show and, of course, of Gamecock Athletics as well. Chris, um, who do you want to start with? I think we got to go with commitments, and then we'll talk about targets. And, you know, I, I think actually before I even dive into those, because I have a habit, if we get deep down this rabbit hole, I'm going to forget a few headlines that I feel like are worth mentioning before we get sort of into what we're here to talk about. But the first one being, how about our guy Addison Williams sort of climbing that coaching ladder, a guy that from the very moment his career at South Carolina ended, sort of went the route of student coach and then has just worked his way up, was the cornerbacks coach at UCF, now being rewarded for uh, his hard work and his good work, the new defensive coordinator for Gus Malzahn at UCF. Uh, very well-deserved, man, and you have seen some Gamecocks. They're starting to get to that age. The guys we were sort of around when we were in school, give or take, have reached that point where they've gotten enough of experience under their belt He's a defensive coordinator. Chris Hampton, he's the D.C. at Tulane and actually was mentioned at the Arkansas job, which actually Travis uh, Williams ends up getting. Addison ends up taking his spot at UCF, but a uh, well-deserved promotion and uh, awesome to see a guy uh, here from Carolina uh, get to that point. Yeah, Sharp Young Coach has done a really good job and, and climbed that ladder quickly. There are several former Gamecocks, West that are – you know, doing a really nice job in the coaching industry. We've talked in the past about Travian Robertson. Chris Hampton got some mentions the other day, actually for that Arkansas job that ended up going to Travis Williams. Chris Hampton, who's now the defensive coordinator at Tulane, the guy I remember watch play, watching play uh, in the in the I think late Lou Holtz, early Steve Spurrier uh, era, and uh, he was in the mix for that job. And so I think. Probably odds are he gets another bump up. Tulane obviously had a very good year this past season, but he may uh, get a, another opportunity to move up soon. So, yeah, really good really good to see for Addison. Not surprised at all that he's getting this opportunity. Um, he's kind of been one of the fast risers in terms of young coaches in the industry lately. Definitely. And uh, Cedric Williams, uh, North Carolina Central University offensive line coach, winning a uh, national title this week, beating Deion Sanders' crew. So uh, lot, lots of good things in the coaching community for some former Gamecocks. So shout out to all of them. Also uh, expected, but wanted to confirm this for everybody, Juice Wells telling us uh, at Gamecock Central in a Garnet Trust interview that he will definitely be playing in the bowl game. That was expected. We had reported that was expected, but um, he confirmed it. Um, definitely going to play in the bowl game back in Columbia going through, um, you know, workouts and stuff like that, and it will be there in two weeks. However, still debating on that final decision for after the bowl game, does he jump to the NFL or does he uh, decide to stick it out for what would probably be one more year, even though he does have multiple years of eligibility. So go check that out. There is a Garnet Trust interview on Gamecock Central YouTube and on GamecockCentral.com. Went into a number of topics with Juice, always a really compelling interview and uh, just a genuine guy to hear from. Very open, very honest, so enjoyed talking to him. Uh, all right, let's talk recruiting. Four commitments, and Chris, I guess let's just go in order. Interestingly enough, the first public commit of the weekend was also, uh, per my understanding, the first welcome home of the week as well, which came on Thursday, and that was uh, Nick Elksness, who again, I've told everybody, it's going to take me a moment to figure out how to get the L, the K, and the S's and the N's all in the right order. Um, it's not a name that I have ever heard, to be yeah. honest. So I, I'm I'm just going to, you you know, you admit your, your flaws, right? That one's going to be a struggle for me. So sorry, Nick. But the Gamecocks land um, a couple of Nicks this weekend, but the first being Nick Elksness 
from Florida who uh, had played a couple of years there primarily on, primarily on special teams. And I think you're sort of seeing South Carolina start to check the boxes of what they need to replace from a skill set standpoint in their tight end room. Well, and this position was so critical. You know, we, we knew there'd be some defections, right, after this season, but probably didn't anticipate this level of defections. I mean, a, a pretty much almost complete clear out of that room, at least from a scholarship standpoint after 2022, Wes. And, you know, some key guys um, with different types of skill sets. I mean, look at every single tight end that played significant snaps last season, and each and every one of them are different. You know, they have some different skills. It's Jaheim Bell with all the different things he could do, Stogner, Nate Adkins, Trey Kenyon. And so not only did they need more tight ends for this offense, but you also consider the fact that tight ends were a critical part of what Pete Limbo has done on special teams. Nate Adkins, we all saw his play in the Clemson game and how good he was, Trey Kenyon, Stogner. These guys played on special teams because those are the types of bodies and skill sets, physicality, size, ability to run uh, that you're going to need to succeed. So <clears throat> Elksness has not played a ton overall at Florida in his two years, primarily special teams. He's had a couple of different injuries that have held him back. But what he is, Wes, is a guy that I think you can plug in at being six foot six, 250 pounds now. He's physically impressive. Um, he told us over the weekend, uh, yesterday actually, that you know he's already taught with Pete Limbo about special teams and the ability to the potential to jump in there early. Uh, he can go catch some passes for you, but I think a guy who's going to have a heavy special teams role and can fit as that inline type blocker for this offense. Yeah, that's that's right where I was going to take you next. Um, let, let's make this, I guess, with with all these tight end guys. Um, you, I mean, it, it is what it is. You sort of have to look at who exits from the tight end position and who enters. And, you know, I think they're in a, a good position with several of these guys they're after at that position. But as far as South Carolina's exits and now the addition of Nick, who do you think he most uh, compares to, in your opinion, or at the very least, because I, I don't think there's a direct one-to-one -one here, but where do you how do you see him being used in terms of compared to maybe one or two of the other guys i i would maybe say he's a combination of the couple of the other guys maybe yeah i, I kind of think more along the lines of a stogner and uh just from like a size standpoint and how you can use him you know we saw kind of the breakdown stogner ended up playing i don't have it in front of me wes but i'm pretty sure played the most snaps at the tight end position this season because of his size um, and his ability to go and block guys, um, you know, in line on the perimeter. That's how they used him. Now, we'll, we'll see, you know, Dow Loggins may tweak tight end usage and personnel packages and things like that. Uh, but I think from a size standpoint, he compares most favorably there. Uh, you know, Stogner didn't have a great year catching the football for South Carolina. At Oklahoma, he showed some of that ability. I think it might be a little bit more of a question mark with Elksness just because we haven't seen it yet at the college level. Um, and he's not going to be, you know, a, you know, a Jaheim Bell or Hayden Hurst, you know, or Jared Cook in terms of his athletic ability. Uh, but I do think from the standpoint of him being able to, you know, put his hand in the dirt, be an inline blocker, be more that kind of prototypical tight end that probably fits him the most. Yeah, so I, I would say um, maybe body type Stog, maybe a little Nate Atkins and how you could maybe use him. Now, I, I don't know if you're going to see him. You know, we saw Nate used more in the, the backfield. and We saw Nate's, I, I guess the game plan for Nate, is probably the best way to say it, expand as the year progressed this past year. And, and really, he had a huge role um, as the year progressed. And then it went from – a huge role more as a blocker, even was kind of a personal protector in pass downs, and then obviously got involved in the actual other side of the passing game late. So if he can be what Nate has been for them down the stretch, then, you know, that that may actually not even be fair to ask that of him. But I, I think, you know, if you look at these guys, if they can add, I think a lot of Gamecock fans are paying close attention to 
you know, like a, a Trey Knox, who I, I think is much more of your your flex kind of. Obviously, he's a receiver turned tight end. That's what he looks like to me, a guy you want to put in the slot. You still want to hope you can get him matched up with linebackers and safeties. You want to do just enough with him to where he is respected as a blocker, but I don't think you want him necessarily um, you know, in there having to play in the box a whole lot. Arkansas probably did a little bit too much of that with him. But if Carolina continues with the approach we have seen, Obviously, new OC, Chris, but we've seen under Shane Beamer, it seems like they still want to be a fairly pro-style offense. They've operated with two tight ends on the field quite a bit, and a lot of times I think that means maybe getting some guys out there that have different skill sets, and, and one's more of a blocker. In this case, you know that would be uh, Elksness, and then if you can add a Trey Knox um, to this mix, then uh, you know maybe he's that guy more the the pass catching threat. Yeah, Knox. I mean, big kid now. You know, six five and what two hundred forty two hundred forty five pounds, but has that receiver background. So the hands, the route running ability. You know, he's a natural there. Um, and so that you know, you think of those two paired and kind of how you can use them how you can have them on the field at the same time gives you some flexibility, some positional versatility. So I think it would be a very interesting mix. And then Wes, you factor in, you know, some of the other guys, whether it's high school ranks, uh, there's another transfer out there, you know, that visited this weekend uh, in Josh Simon from Western Kentucky, who is another physically impressive kid, you know, uh, a South Carolina native, Played from Dalzell, played his high school football at Crestwood, and um, you know really has established himself at Western Kentucky as a guy that is a pass catching threat. Um, that's a little bit more of his forte. <clears throat> Had an injury in 2021, 2022. His volume's been down some, but he still caught multiple touchdowns. And his first two years at the school West, um, he had caught 30 balls. You know both seasons. Andy's Western Kentucky's all-time touchdown receptions leader for a tight end. So, you know, another guy that South Carolina has an opportunity to add to the mix, you know, and, and Simon probably more in like that pass catching category. Like if you're going with the Madden or the NCAA 2014 kind of rankings, uh, but certainly a big kid who can do some different things for you. Yeah, and I, I think with his body type, body size, um, just kind of the the thickness, he's kind of a physically developed kid. I think Simon maybe has the best chance to kind of turn turn into that dual threat tight end, you know, just the guy that can do a little bit of everything for you. You know, some of these, uh, maybe if Elksness is the more inline guy, um, a Trey Knox, and again, Trey Knox is not committed. I'm, I'm kind of talking about him like he's already um, in the class. He is not. Um, I think he's leaning to South Carolina. I think there's confidence on the Gamecock end that he could end up there. But uh, to be official here, he is not committed. But um, he's more your true pass catcher. And then I, I think Simon can just do a lot of different things for you. I was looking at his PFF uh, grades, Chris. Very highly graded this year, even though um, you know his uh, production has dropped off, as you said, a little bit over the last couple of years. Very highly graded has a chance to be if they can get him in the mix. I I kind of have a gut feeling on him. Like he's going to be one of those sneaky good pickups that maybe doesn't really get a lot of fanfare, but ends up playing a major role for South Carolina next year. And, you know, I, I think the, the portal is interesting. Now that we have a little bit of data about kind of um, how this is playing out, I think you can do just as well if not better, in the portal when you get creative about finding guys who have been productive at a little bit lower level than where you're at if you're South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Because, in my opinion, the floor, and for those who like don't really follow recruiting incredibly close, the floor, it's basically like, this is my, my least, like if I had a best-case scenario and a worst-case scenario, the floor – is like my worst case scenario for this prospect. And so that's like everything doesn't go perfect, but I'm still getting this. 
So if, if you have a high upside guy, but it's very raw, the upside may be second round pick, but the floor may be never, ever plays a down. So I look at these guys, your Nate Atkins, your Juice Wells, who I think Juice, you would say, has hit like the complete upside of what you thought he was going to be when you recruited him. But look at Nate Atkins. At the very least, he was going to be a solid special teams performer and a gritty blocker on offense and a smart kid that sort of just does whatever the team needs. So I look at some of these guys, you know, a Joshua Simon, he's been at Western Kentucky. It's an opportunity for him to come back home, potentially play for his home state. South Carolina recruited him a little bit out of high school with Muschamp, never offered. I'm sure maybe a dream for him to, to potentially suit up for South Carolina. So if that happens, I think, Again, I'm talking more big picture, but it also applies to him. I think you can find good players that aren't your, like, former four-star guy that was at Alabama and transferred out type situation. Yeah, and, you know, again, we said it earlier, different skill sets, but also I, I think some people have looked at it and said, geez, you know, I know South Carolina had the mass exodus from the tight end room after this year, but this seems – almost a little excessive, right, with the tight ends. When you when you count them up, what was the number West thing? It was like seven, you know, of, of guys that they legitimately have a shot with between two high school guys that are already committed, Cam Sandlin, Connor Cox from the 2023 class high school ranks, then three transfer tight ends that you have a shot with. Um, shoot, Nicholas Harbert, five-star, who would be a, a two-way player, right? So you've got him out there. Um, and then a couple other high school guys that we'll get into from the 2023 class. So you're going, my gosh, that, that seems like a lot. But <laughs> you keep in mind not only different skill sets, but different years of eligibility, right? So this isn't like you're taking, let's say South Carolina gets all or close to all of these guys. Yes, you're bringing them all in the same room, but A, your room's about empty anyways, and B, you're getting different levels in terms of experience and eligibility. So Trey Knox, I think, has a redshirt year, West, but whenever he steps on the field next, that's his final season. He's got one year of on-field play remaining. Elksness, uh, the 2022 season, this most recent season, was a redshirt freshman, so he'll have uh, three more years of eligibility. And then Simon is two to play two, so he actually has two years left. So right there – if South Carolina can land all those guys, you have kind of different tiers, right? You got, you would have Knox for a year, you'd have Simon for two, you'd have Elksness for three, and then you start stacking your high school guys and developing them. So um, I think it's a good strategy because you, you look at the different body types and skill sets they're bringing in. It can kind of, in some ways, replace those different body types and skill sets that you had from the guys that just finished up uh, playing for you. And yeah, I mean, not every big name. It, not every guy out of the portal is going to be a big name who is a former super highly recruited guy. You know, you may be finding, like you said, Wes, best example I can think of at South Carolina recently, a Juice Wells, a guy who was productive at his previous stop and can end up being even a star at this level too. Or you could find the other great example that you had, a Nate Atkins type lunch pail guy who's going to come in and add depth and do – a lot of really good things for your football team. Yeah, so South Carolina, I believe fully, will continue to hit the portal. This is not it by any means. They're going to keep hitting it and um, keep trying to, I, I guess, tweak this roster, you would say. There's some spots where you say, all right, they need a guy to come in and play desperately. There are other spots where you're just trying to build out your roster and, and create depth, and it is more – of an NFL approach, I think, than it ever has been in the sense of um, you can go get a guy who's played some ball and has some experience and is a little bit older as opposed to being in a position where you might feel like a freshman has to come in and play. Now, I, I do think they're in a position to sign a nice high school class at tight end as well. You look at the guys that are committed, Connor Cox, uh, Cameron Sandlin. Sandlin, a guy I've had a, a sneaky good feeling about for a while anyway. I will buy stock in – former quarterbacks who are transitioning to other positions, especially if they want to go to another position, and especially if they're tough-nosed. So DQ Smith, for example, different position, but 
tough-nosed kid, was willing to make the move. Cam Salen, one of the toughest guys you'll find and fully willing to make a move. So I, I really like these guys, but then you look at the potential. Could a Reed McKeska get added into the mix? He was on an official visit over the weekend, and he's a guy I feel like, Chris, we've been hearing has been flirting with South Carolina and flirting with the potential of ending up at South Carolina for months now. They finally get him in for the official visit. Some good timing there. Currently committed to Miami, but um, I think this is one of those things. For me, whenever a guy's committed to another school, from a Carolina perspective, you never count it until it happens. But um, it does feel like they have had some momentum with Reed McKeska. Very interesting recruitment with, for Reed McKeska. He's a guy that is from Texas, uh, one-time Clemson commitment, backed off that pledge, looked like he may be ticketed for Oklahoma, but instead committed to Miami, continued talking with Florida, continued talking with South Carolina. And so he's been on campus multiple times. Uh, he was in town west for the Tennessee game on an unofficial Followed that up with an official visit to Columbia this past weekend. And he's kept things kind of quiet, you know, in terms of publicly hasn't been, you know, sharing a ton on social media about South Carolina. He's kept that kind of Miami centric. But when you follow the visits, he's been to South Carolina once in November, once in December. Official visit. The returns seem really good from that. And he is a guy that has, you know, two way ability, meaning not both sides of the ball, but blocking and receiving and I'm with you Wes you, you don't you don't count it until it happens with a committed guy but certainly there have been some positive signs for South Carolina there so that's another high school guy I mentioned Nicholas Harbor earlier who South Carolina is going to continue to chase that recruitment will go into the month of February most likely very quite likely it seems that, that that's what will happen with Harbor and then another very intriguing one. It was also on campus this weekend. I think this would be number eight overall in terms of pursued or committed tight ends. Shamar Easter, who's an Arkansas commitment. That one was very interesting. Yeah, this one came, I would say, fairly pretty much out of nowhere. We put him um, on our list on Friday. We got wind he was going to be in. I mean, th this is your, your Dow Loggins effect here, a guy who's obviously uh, – Shamar Easter is obviously committed to Arkansas right now. But Chris told us coming out, he's 50-50. Uh, South Carolina and Arkansas doesn't really sound like someone who is looking at other schools just to look. It doesn't sound like someone who, like, really even wants to completely open things up and go through the recruiting process again or anything like that. I, I think if just my read from one time talking to the kid – I think if Dow Loggins is still at Arkansas, probably never even looks around. But that move sort of opened this up. He said 50-50 between Arkansas and South Carolina. He will visit Arkansas on January 15th. Uh, not going to sign this week. Will make his decision, his final decision, you should say, and uh, then sign in February. But, I mean, Chris, this is the number one prospect in the state of Arkansas. So there is a, there's nothing I've noticed. There's few things. I shouldn't say nothing. There's few things in recruiting that get a fan base more pumped up than if a new coach comes in and some random four or five star all of a sudden just visits a school. I feel like there's there's that newness to following a prospect. It's not a guy where maybe they've been a little bit fatigued by, oh, we're going to get this guy. Oh, no, we're not going to get this guy. Oh, he's wavering. He's going to that school. He's going to this school. When a new name pops up, Fans get pumped, and when you look and start thinking about the possibility, if you're a Gamecock fan, wow, could still the top prospect in Arkansas. That's something braggable, you know, like you get the number one player from their state. Uh, speaks to him as a prospect, speaks to the relationship with Dow Loggins, and uh, he this kid has been committed to them since, I think it's August 2021. And uh, was Loggins not a pretty big part of that? in the first place, reportedly? Yeah, huge. Uh, I know that Loggins, uh, Loggins, Easter's high school coach, Matt Richardson at Ashland, uh, was quoted in a, a rival story that Sam Spiegelman, who's now with On3, did, and just said that Dow Loggins was a huge part um, of why he ended up committing to Arkansas. And I'm sure it helped, you know, that he was an in-state kid. 
and all those things, but that Loggins was a huge, huge reason. So there's a really good relationship there. And Wes, I think what you said hits it exactly that, you know, South Carolina is not going to be recruiting a bunch of kids from the state of Arkansas. It doesn't make sense for a lot of reasons. Uh, they they are barely even going to spot recruit the state of Arkansas. You, you'll, you might see, I mean, maybe a prospect or two every year if it's like a national level guy or there's some weird connection from, you know, a high school coach and a current South Carolina coach. Other than that, you're just not going to see it, right? And so I think the fact that Dow Loggins is hired and almost instantaneously Shamar Easter from Arkansas is scheduling a visit to Loggins' new school kind of kind of shows you the extent of the relationship there. So it may be tough, Wes. I mean, I know one thing that we have talked about is the notion that at some point the amount of tight ends may catch up to South Carolina in terms of February because the bulk of their guys are probably going to be December signees between commitments, transfers, et cetera. Reed McKeska planning on signing Wednesday with the school. So it could be that Easter by the time February rolls around and says, man, you know, they're, they're kind of getting stacked up there. Hey, maybe I want to stay at, at home in the state of Arkansas, maybe both, but definitely an interesting storyline to monitor and a, uh, a very interesting skill set on this kid as well. And as y'all saw, if you're watching the video version, also a basketball player, I fully thought I was popping up the football highlights there, and we got basketball instead. But, hey, basketball, when it comes to, I was about to say receivers, really about any position, uh, receivers, tight ends. Shoot, if linemen play basketball, I think that's a great sign as well. So uh, the skill set carryover there, um, not one-to-one, obviously, but there is a, a lot of carryover from being uh, dexterous on a basketball court and then being able to do the same on a football field. So I uh, I think that's interesting. A guy will we'll keep tracking. I mean, I, I feel like, Chris, he's probably one. They probably said, well, this kid wants to visit. Yeah, we got these other tight ends we're involved with. Most of them haven't committed yet. They haven't signed yet. Of course you bring the guy in, right? He's just that good. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you can see on film, like, this guy's athleticism. I mean, uh, between – I'm with you. The the ability to play basketball for a guy, like, of his size, um, that movement, and then you watch him, you know, play in both ways here. Really, really quick, good hands, really good size, almost a receiver-type skill set at the tight end position. Um, we'll have to get bigger, sure but a dangerous receiving threat. So I think I agree with you. Complete no-brainer to bring him in, especially with the connection to Loggins. And it's one where you just give it a run and see uh, see what ends up happening, right? No doubt, man. So um, another high school kid commit that does commit to South Carolina in Tyshawn Russell. We'll go to him next. And I'm going to try to get his film pulled up here too, Chris, because I think he's a guy South Carolina fans probably aren't quite as familiar with. It's felt like they've sort of been searching for who's going to be that additional high school wide receiver in this class. And uh, so we got word that Russell was coming in as well this past week. He did make it in. He had um, he was telling us he had an unofficial visit to South Carolina previously. He ends up getting the flu, doesn't get to go to the game. I, did, I didn't even pick up on if he made it to town, but then got that sick and didn't make it to the game or if he didn't make it to Columbia at all. So I'm not sure. Either way, Chris, this was his first, like, real complete in-depth exposure to the program, and uh, he obviously liked what he saw. He had told us he was signing with South Carolina on Wednesday. He was going to announce it. I'm guessing he just decided, I don't want to wait. Went ahead, commits to South Carolina on Sunday night, and, uh, again, helps fill that role in that I think they they really wanted another – um, high school receiver. This is a guy who's a playmaker, has played, from what I understand, quite a bit of DB in his career and has transitioned to offense this past season and just sort of took off from there. Looks to me to maybe be more of a slot guy, but certainly we'll see how Dow Loggins approaches that and, and sort of the different receiver positions within his scheme, how he wants to use guys. I think that's probably still a little bit pre, you know, to be determined, I said, I should say, but, um, at least off the hoof, 
looks like a guy to me who's maybe more of a slot guy, but we'll certainly see. Yeah, not a ton of experience at receiver because this is really this senior season, 2022 high school season was the first year where he was really a full-time focused wide receiver. Um, but he had a huge year, um, 61 catches, uh, over 1,300 yards, and West 22 touchdowns. So I'm bad at math, but that's like a third of his catches went for touchdowns. And so that very first play, if you're watching the video stream here, uh, has a, there's a lot of those on this highlight reel. Um, Bishop McDevitt won the state championship this year in their division in Pennsylvania, and uh, he had four touchdowns in that game receiving as well. So uh, really, really big senior year for Tyshawn Russell. He went under-recruited. Overall, Wes, I think one reason could be was that he was a little bit of a late late bloomer um, from a wide receiver standpoint. Like you said, also a talented DB. Uh, we'll need to get bigger, right? But, I mean, this is still a guy that I think we may look back in a few years and say, you know, that this has potential to be a steal, a later steal for South Carolina. Certainly, man, and, um, you know, I'm I'm always gonna bet on playmakers and yeah, he may be Travis Wayne in saying he's a little bit raw as a receiver. I could agree with that, but I, I think someone that uh, if he's already getting that open on just natural ability and just uh the smoothness in which he changes direction and operates, then you know, I, I think Justin Stepp will be a uh excellent guy to help him sort of hone those those route running abilities and those steps and that technique and, and all that stuff. So uh, I think a, a solid sort of late pickup for South Carolina and somebody that I think they had sort of identified a couple months ago and really started to prioritize for that final uh, or for that, that next high school receiver spot. And, um, you know, probably someone that South Carolina fans aren't quite as familiar with yet, but hopefully they will get there. And again, Hey, High school recruiting, Chris, it does still exist. Like I think we get so get so talked into the portal stuff, and it is what everybody is talking about. But um, it's it it does still matter, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. No, it it does. Um, you know, there are varying opinions on the transfer portal, obviously, and I don't think there's any doubt. It's kind of hard to uh, go against this notion, Wes, that. You know, high school recruiting has been affected uh, for certain guys. You know, even guys like maybe a Tyshawn Russell West where there's a temptation and sometimes it makes sense to go into the portal instead of, quote-unquote, taking a chance. Or, you know, even if you got a high school player you really like, there may be a temptation to, if you need more immediate help, take a guy from the portal. And so that has affected high school recruiting, but it's still going to be a large, large part of what you do. Um, getting high school guys in your program, developing them, and then ultimately trying to keep them, Wes. You don't want to end up being just a training ground where you're signing guys, develop them, developing them for a year or two, and wanting to keep them and, and then them leaving. So it's a different era. There's a lot to it. Uh, but definitely, I mean, look, look at South Carolina's current recruiting class. Yeah, there's some transfers in there. Yes, the transfer class is going to uh, continue to be added to. But the bulk of the class is still from the high school ranks and some certainly quality players on that front as well. So still very important. Yeah, a whole new world out there. Um, I like this. Uh, Beckham says the portal is just adding another ingredient to the dish. And uh, it's adding something else on to the plate of college coaches and the recruiting departments out there. And one more thing you got to manage. But as with anything, if you can manage it more efficiently than your opponent, and that's in terms of just pure volume of guys that are out there and having a good feel for who's going to enter the portal, what they're looking for when they do, and, of course, that evaluation aspect, which is always going to be a big part of it. Where do you spend your energy? Where do you spend your time as a staff? All those things are going to determine, as with a lot of other things in recruiting, who is most successful hitting uh, the transfer portal. So speaking of the portal, Gamecocks go into the portal to get a guy that I think, Chris, you and I had sort of uh, – we were anticipating this one happening, so probably not a surprise to South Carolina fans who uh, have paid attention on Gamecock Central. But Mario Anderson Jr., running back out of Newberry, highly productive kid that I think was always an FBS guy, 
Um, had some, uh, I guess, not quite as much attention out of high school. Maybe some academic stuff uh, held him back, I guess, potentially. But um, ends up at South Carolina with a couple of years of eligibility left. Yeah, this is someone that really was pretty dominant, you know, on the Division Two level. So is this a huge step up? Absolutely. You know, moving up from playing Wingett and uh, shout-out Jalen Brooks and Lenore Ryan, you know, to playing, you know, Tennessee and Florida and Clemson and Georgia. Yes, big, big, big step up. But you look at what this guy did on that level, Wes. He was a finalist for the Harlan Hill Trophy, which is the Heisman Trophy for the D2 level. Uh, 7.4 yards a carry. Uh, What did he have? 1,600 yards rushing, I think. Had an absolutely huge 2022 season. Uh, Probably not a guy, Wes, that's going to run away from SEC competition in terms of you know, making those huge explosive runs at this level. Um, but a tough kid uh, told me he got emotional when he got the offer from South Carolina. He's a Palmetto State kid. And so, obviously, there's going to be some opportunities for him and for other guys in that running back room next year. Yeah, I um, I kind of just feel like there's some Kevin Harris here, Chris. Like, Kev- Kevin Harris ended up actually um, – it's kind of weird – when Kevin was being recruited, I didn't really consider Kevin Harris to be a home run guy. Like I, I wasn't like, oh, speed is his best element. And then he gets to South Carolina, and he just had a weird way of running past people. Um, so I, I don't know if we necessarily should expect that here, but just kind of the low center to gravity or center, you know, e- even just the the running style, I should say, um, kind of just looks like Kevin a little bit. And they're uh, kind of the, that bowling ball mentality, I think, in there. Difficult to bring down. Um, difficult to really hit square, it looks like. And, and as you said, there'll be a jump up. But um, he seems to have the body type. That's one thing I know South Carolina, you know, Chris, you noticed they they didn't offer him before they brought him in. They brought him in on the visit. Then they offered. And from what I understand, they just wanted to kind of check those final boxes is he as big as he looks is he as big as he is listed at I don't know what he measured in at at South Carolina but um clearly he checked that box so you see that play right there Kevin Harris probably takes that to the yard you know touchdown but I I think you sort of see that that power somebody asking is he a power back I, I would say yes I think this is a guy that you're gonna hand the football to potentially 20 something times you're going to hand it to him on short yardage. It may not be that flashy at all times, but is a guy who can grind it out, I think. Yeah, and there's some value to that. You know, um, I think South Carolina was looking for that in a back in this class. A, not, not even necessarily a quote-unquote bigger back, but a guy who could go and slam forward and get and get some positive yardage. And that's what it looks like they have here in Anderson. Really tough kid. Um, has has a burst at the line of scrimmage, you know, Wes, and certainly showed the ability to to have some long runs at the Division II level. Those you figured would cut down some, right, just because of the step up. But I think he's going to bring some traits uh, that could translate to South Carolina. Um, he's got good enough size. Uh, the way that he runs, his ability to take blows, deliver punishment, um, I think could could serve him quite well at South Carolina. And I don't think, you know, regardless of the level, Wes, I think that type of production is eye-popping. You got to be a good player to put up that type of production anywhere. It doesn't mean it's going to, you know, he's not going to average 7.4 yards a carry and have 1,600 yards at South Carolina, I don't think, right? But uh, certainly that shows you that he has the potential to step up a level. Yeah, and a uh, finalist for the Harlan Hill Trophy, uh, one of nine uh, finalists for that award, which is essentially the Heisman Trophy for Division II football. So one of the top nine players, uh, at least this season, according to that award, in all Division II football. So I I think uh, also you cannot look past the fact that he got so emotional when um, 
he, he got the offer, Chris. I mean, I think in this day and age, finding guys that really want to be in your program and want to be there, uh, I think that matters as well. So we will certainly see. I think another low floor player for South Carolina. Like I think the I get the questions about you know you take a guy from D two. I think the upside will sort of be determined by how much can he make that transition to this level. But I think the floor is that he will be a really solid, uh, maybe even just short yardage guy. I think you certainly hope he can be more than that. But I think that's kind of your your even your worst case scenario is pretty solid when you consider they don't have a bunch of those guys on the roster right now who fit that mold that we're talking about. And uh, so let's get into the fourth commitment of the weekend. Chris is our resident enunciator. So <laughs> in pronunciation. We'll give you a shot at this. Yeah. The uh have you talked to the second Nick commitment? I have not. We have not caught up yet, but uh I'm here's what I'm gonna go with. And and when I get a chance to chat with him, I will confirm. I'm going with Nick Garjulo. I don't that sound I mean, right. that sounds pretty good. I think it's pretty good. We'll we'll be confident in it. We'll we'll just say it's Gargiulo. It could be Gargiulo. It could be a bunch of different things. But I'm going Gargiulo. And uh, this is another interesting one, Wes. This is kind of a need take. Um, it it kind of reminds me of like the NFL draft when you're following your team. And they're taking somebody, and you may like not know who it is, but then all the analysts are like, "This guy was a really good player at this level, and he's going to fit an immediate need." I think that's kind of what you've got here uh, with Nick G. You've got Nick E. and Nick G. Um, at Yale, former left tackle, uh, moved over to center and really took off. Um, all Ivy League guy, uh, team captain for Yale. And, uh, you know, drew some offers out of the transfer portal from from some other programs up north, Boston College, which has, you know, always seems to produce offensive linemen, Syracuse, uh, some other schools, but was a really good player, good size, Wes, uh, sharp kid. And as someone that we had heard, you know, for quite a while behind the scenes that the the staff was going to look at once he entered the portal as a graduate transfer. Uh, But you think about it, man, I mentioned the need, Eric. Eric Douglas has been a starter for a long time and played a lot of football at South Carolina. Really sharp guy. Does a really good job of getting the offense situated for the Gamecocks. This is his last run, you know, his last ride in the Gator Bowl. And so this is someone you could bring in who may be a ready-made replacement for Eric Douglas. And a uh, very, very interesting connection in the ever-connected world of college athletics. His head coach at Yale, none other than Tony Reno, who is Dante Reno's father. So pretty cool connection there. And um, Chris, uh, I think, I mean, you nailed it. E-Dug is gone. You kind of always need that guy at center that is a leader, that's a sharp guy. I think especially when you look at what I think South Carolina wants to be on offense, yes, they're going to streamline this thing. Yes, they uh, want for it to be a more efficient version of a pro-style offense, but if you're going to be pro-style, I don't think Carolina's ever going to be unless they completely change their philosophy down the line. Their current approach, they're not going to be one of these offenses that is just um, a high school spread that's completely overly simplified. So I think having someone who can help set your protections, that was a change they made late last year was – sort of putting more on Eric Douglas to help set the protections, taking it off of the quarterback. And I think this will prove to be an important get, uh, even if he just ends up providing depth. I'm sure they hope he can come in and kind of take that center spot. Even if he's just a depth guy, then I, I think that's a positive, and you have to continue to add guys like that to your roster. So we will certainly be tracking the next couple of days leading into National Signing Day. Um, some guys still out there that have not gone public yet. And then, of course, South Carolina will try to close out with some uncommitted players as well. And, you know, one of the ones that we were not tracking in terms of being an official visitor this weekend, but I think has gathered uh, quite a bit of intrigue from South Carolina fans, Chris, would have to be Lenore Sellers, who 
I would dare say probably not even an argument against this. He has seen his stock rise from his senior season more than anybody else in the state of South Carolina. I saw him on last Monday at practice. You saw him in the Shrine Bowl itself on Saturday. Um, were you as impressed as I was with just the the way, I mean, the way the ball just pops out of his hand? Yeah, it just has – I'd start even with his demeanor, you know. I mean, he's just got just a very calm uh, – demeanor doesn't get too up or down he's a great kid from multiple accounts we've heard you know academically how he conducts himself um but you look at him his demeanor stands out the size stands out because he's 6'3 215 he's built very well um and yeah he can throw it I mean in Lenoris you, you watch him play and you just walk away and go I don't really see any holes in the game you know um you don't say, well, he can do all these things, but he's too small. You don't say, well, he can't run or he can't make these throws. Uh, you, you don't say he's got all these tools, but the production's not there. You, you can try to argue with yourself, but it just constantly comes back to the fact that he's a really, really good player and I think a really, really good prospect, Wes. So crafty runner, right? Like he can break off some bigger runs at the high school level, but I think it's really just his craftiness and his toughness as a runner. Um, he's really good at administering an offense, uh, an accurate thrower of the football, can make all the throws. And then obviously he put up giant numbers this year uh, running the South Point's offense and leading them to a state title game. Yeah, and I, I think it was Chris Deering who has been covering high school ball for – as long as anybody out there who said that basically he's one of the best, um, I don't remember if he said one of or he said the best, um, definitely one of the best quarterbacks he has ever seen uh, since he's been covering ball in the Palmetto State. And so, yeah, if South Carolina can pull this off, uh, they're certainly doing everything they can to try and flip him from Syracuse. I tend to have, I've felt like their chances have grown stronger pretty much every day since they started pushing. Like, I, I, I feel like they've gradually put themselves in a better and better position and um, feel pretty good about where they sit right now. But we shall find out. Friday, actually, so not a Wednesday signing, which, Chris, if it does end up being South Carolina, is actually very helpful for us in terms of coverage because uh, we won't be running around doing a thousand things <laughs> on Friday like we probably will be on Wednesday. So that one's certainly one to keep an eye on. We got a, a few minutes left here in the show. Let's see. Who have we not talked about? How about um, Tree Babalade, former Gamecock commit? They have not given up, it appears. Maryland has is making their push as well. Mm -hmm. Tree teasing the folks on the Twitter today. I believe he said he's going to have something for everybody tomorrow, but he said if um, – his Instagram followers get to 4,000. He may put it out today. Tree having some fun with this, obviously. Where where do where do we think this thing is, man? I, I I think we both probably shouldn't make a prediction because, I mean, you may. I don't want to speak for you. I wouldn't really feel comfortable yeah. one way or the other throwing a prediction on this thing. But where's your head at? Well, you know, after he decommitted from South Carolina – then he's uh, very shortly afterwards at Maryland basketball game. It's a home state school. You look back, Wes, at the fact that it looked like Tree was going to commit to South Carolina. I think this was in July over the summer. Pushed it back a little bit. Maryland made a huge push and made it really close at that time, but he went with the Gamecocks ultimately. You know, maybe we see a repeat of that, or we are seeing a repeat of Maryland making a big push, right? Um there seems to be some confidence on the Maryland side. I know Chad Simmons, who does a phenomenal job at On3 National, has heard some very positive Maryland things. But, Wes, but like you said, it seems like South Carolina has not given up. It seems like there's some indications that it's not a done deal for Maryland. And so maybe South Carolina has kept itself in striking distance for Tree. I, I'm with you. I'm not going to make a – prediction but it could be that although a lot of the signs and tea leaves have pointed towards Maryland maybe South Carolina staff Shane Beamer and company 
can bring it back to the original reasons that he picked South Carolina. And that was, he wanted to get away and play in the sec and all these different factors. So the best way I can put it is we are still going to heavily track it up until whenever he decides to put out something on Instagram or Twitter and Wes, even then track it up until he signs on Wednesday or whenever he, uh, whenever he decides to sign. We will track it until the plane arrives in Columbia. That's right. Um, or in Maryland. I guess it wouldn't be a plane there, but um, y'all know what I mean. Until it's over, we will be tracking it. And so, Brandon, with a good question here, a guy we have not mentioned, Elijah Davis, the former Wagner Sally standout, now at East Mississippi Community College. Huge target for South Carolina. They've been on him for a while. This is one of those where Jody Wright and Jimmy Lindsay have really sort of um, – kind of tag team this recruitment. And I think, y'all, that South Carolina's in, in really good shape here. Elijah, not one that does a ton of interviews, doesn't say a whole lot, doesn't live in the limelight, but um, it's felt pretty good for South Carolina for some time. There's a little Tennessee buzz, I would say, Chris, after the OV there. I think it swung back to the Gamecocks, and um, I would feel pretty comfortable predicting South Carolina with Elijah Davis and someone that I think they've made it clear with, with Zach Pickens moving on. They do have good depth at defensive tackle, but if he can be what they think he is, then Elijah is someone who can come in and make an immediate impact. Yeah, definitely an, an impact type of guy. I remember seeing him at, at the high school level West when he's coming out of Wagner, Sally, and uh, thought not the same type of player as Javon Kinlaw, but looked at him and thought this guy could be a D tackle. He could be an offensive lineman. Um, certainly he's gotten to the JUCO level and continued to develop, picked up some nice offers. Tennessee seemed to really give him something to think about, but I'm with you. The The odds seem to favor uh, the Gamecocks here, and he's going to have every opportunity, I think, to come in and earn some PT. Wes, I did just think of one other guy we need to talk about real quick before we get out of here. Another transfer running back, unless we talked about him and I just – forgot already in the span of 57 minutes, Dominic Richardson from Oklahoma. Um, another tough – what's that? Uh, Oklahoma State, yeah. Well, he is from Oklahoma. He's an Oklahoma native. Played at Oklahoma Yeah, there you State. go. Um, you know, he had a pretty good year this past season in terms of production as well. He's a physical – you know, he's not – doesn't look as big um, as Mario Anderson – but actually runs pretty physical. And so um, that's another prospect that was on campus in Columbia for an official visit over the weekend. And, you know, just kept things pretty quiet. Uh, but seems like from some of the returns that we got, that South Carolina stands a solid shot there as well. Yes, we'll uh, keep an eye on that one. And let's see, man, who else do we need to chat about real quick? Um and, and, yeah, there, there are some 2024 guys that were on campus. Uh, you know, uh, Mazio Bennett being in town, Dante Reno, of course, being in town. Um, some big-time 2024 guys, Blake Franks. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll go into all those guys later on because uh, we're sort of focused on this signing day right now. But someone, Chris, we've not mentioned that I guess we probably do need to talk about real quick would be um, Cameron Robinson, the linebacker commit for Virginia currently. South Carolina trying to flip him. You look at Florida State, they're trying to flip him as well. And, um, you know, someone that it feels like South Carolina has a little bit of momentum with. They went in home earlier this week. And um, going to be an interesting one to follow, I think, going into Wednesday. Um, yeah. Robinson. Cameron Robinson. After the OB. Yeah. Okay. Got you. Yeah. Did not break up that time. Yeah. So that one's interesting. Here's what I thought going into the South Carolina visit. Um, it seemed like, you know, Virginia commitment from the state of Virginia went to FSU the weekend before South Carolina. And it really, to me, uh, sounded like FSU had made a giant push. Fast forward, you know, after yesterday, once he wrapped up his official visit, you know, I was still wondering about the status of FSU. I don't know. I don't know this for sure. But it doesn't seem like maybe the FSU is quite as big of a factor uh, right now. And so South Carolina seems to really have done well for itself. And so there was a lot of talk about 
SEC. The staff told Cameron Robinson, hey, you're an SEC linebacker. So it may come down to, Wes, what conference do you want to play in? And then do you want to stay close to home and stick with the Virginia commitment, or do you want to go do something different, play in the SEC? I think the visit went about as well as it could, um, but I think it just comes down to comfort level for him. I, I won't rule out FSU um, because I don't have enough specifics there. We've just heard that maybe they're not quite – I kind of thought FSU was the leader coming off last weekend, and that may not be the case at this point. Yeah, and kind of interesting there, man. I thought that was a really – not funny, but it was a really pointed recruiting pitch to uh, tell the guy, hey, you're an SEC linebacker when you're going up against two ACC schools. So we will see if South Carolina is able to pull that off. Uh, He's going to make his announcement on Wednesday as well. He also told Gamecock Central – that he knows where he is going. So he has it all figured out, just is waiting to announce on Wednesday. Uh, By the way, before we get out of here, I want to tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax, 803-462-5576. Shout out to Larry and his team here in the Columbia, Irmo, and Lexington area. Appreciate them being big supporters here of GC Live. Uh, Actually going on a year now. Uh, Liberty Tax has been sponsoring the show for nearly a year We hope to have them back on for 2023 as well. And certainly as tax time approaches, maybe even if you want to sort of make some moves now that will affect your tax preparation for 2023 as you do your 2022 taxes, uh, certainly you can give them a call for that as well. 803-462-5576. Chris, um, I think I'm all out, man. What about you? Yep, I'm out, man. Let's go get some more stuff done to get ready for signing day on Wednesday. It is going to be a doozy. As always, uh, go check out the content, GamecockCentral.com. He is Chris. I am Wes. Thank you all for the support. Thank you to all of our sponsors for the support. And uh, we'll see you all very soon. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.